Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out the hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning, and may I be the first to say Happy New Year. If you have your Bible, thank you. If you have your Bible, open to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah in the Old Testament, we're going to go to chapter 29. And we say this every week. If you have not downloaded the Bible app, we'd love for you to do that. It's a free app. You can get on your phone. It has so many translations. It has so many devotionals. But, but beyond that, it also has the notes and scripture I'm going to use today. All you have to do is click on more, go to events, find Life Church Green Bay, and all the notes. Not the pictures, but all the notes and scripture will be there for you. Uh, but if you want a physical Bible, on your way out, go to our Welcome Center. Say, I was told I could have a free Bible, and they will give you one. No passcode, no like knocking on the... It's just they'll give it to you for free. If you're watching online, welcome. If you are one of my ladies in Milwaukee who I met at All's Light, I'm so glad you're here. Or my friend Dakota from Two Rivers. Hey, I'm so glad you're watching with us. And I am so glad you guys are here as we are doing maybe an addendum to Christmas foretold. Through this whole month, we've kind of been doing a series where we have been showing that there's Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled, not only in the New Testament, but even happening today in our lives. And today I'm going to ask you to do something that I've never asked you to do before. And for some of you, it might be easy. For others, it might be a little challenging. But today, I would like for you to take notes. And you might be like, hey, I wasn't prepared for that. That's totally fine. You'll see in your seat front pocket, we have some note cards and some pens. But there is an app on a lot of smartphones just called Notes. And you can take notes there also too. And the reason I want to do that is because, honestly, I think it'd be a good habit. Like going into 2024. And honestly, that's what a resolution is. A resolution is a decision to continually do something or to continually not do something. But the reason I want you to do this is because there's a verse that we're gonna talk about a lot. A verse that you could, we could say is gonna be the verse of 2024. A verse that might just be something that you have to remind yourself in any situation. And so I want you to write that, as soon as we say it, write it on the top of your note card or on your phone, because we're gonna keep coming back to that. Because I think with every new decision and new resolution will be uh, effective when it's empowered by a plan. So with all that being said, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, which says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. The title of my message this morning is called 2024 foretold. Can we pray? Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here together. Lord, and I believe, Lord, what your word says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there you are in the midst. And so your presence is here and it's alive and it's active and it's moving in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we be people that would put you before anything else. Because, Lord, we don't want anything else. We don't want anyone else. You are all we need. So be with us during this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you, have you ever played the game Close Up? 
Or I know the board game, there's a board game version called Picture This. And what Close Up is, is it's this game where they take an image and they zoom it in and you have to try to guess what it is. You ever played it before? You want to play it right now? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to bring some images up and I want you to guess. You can say it out loud. It's totally fine. This might help you amen me more, okay? Just be loud, be comfortable, okay? I'm going to put a couple images up. We're going to guess. We're going to see if we're right, okay? Let's go to the first image. Okay, it's a sink, silver, I don't know what that is. Come on, come on, come on, give me some guesses, give me some guesses. A sink, we got sink, a, a bath. Okay, okay, cool, cool, awesome. So far, you're all wrong. <laughs> Hold on, I think I heard the answer, let's reveal it real quick. It's a boat. Give yourself a pat on the back, whoever that was. Great job. Yes, let's do another one, ready? Okay, here's the next one. A logo. Peace sign. An anchor. Okay. If you're listening on a podcast, we're guessing a picture right now. So, uh, wait, wait, someone did. Wait, wait, say that again over here. Movie reel. Let's see. Let's see what that is. Kids are still like, what is that? <laughs> Film projector. Yeah, there you go. Or movie reel. I got a couple more. Let's do another one. Okay. Some of you guys were like, I'm tired of guessing wrong. <laughs> I'm going to let them know. Okay, I hear a very similar. Let's see if you guys are right. Yes, it's a hot air balloon. Why is this sad? Did you guys get the sad face? Like, why is it sad? I don't, I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my mind. I don't know if you're, you, you look at images. And you, let's do another one. Okay, this is very blurry. It is the color orange, but are you saying it's actually oranges? Orange, 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 orange. All right, let's see what it is. It is oranges. That's right. There you go. I love it. I love how excited you guys are getting right now. I love it. All right, I got one more. Hair. The carpet. Eyelash. You guys are a little off, a little off. Nose hair. All right, let's just reveal what it is. It's a dog. I love that. I love that you all said that. Honestly, I wrote that in my notes. I was really excited that you guys were going to be like, oh, because that's what I love about this game is that reaction right there. Because you weren't expecting what was going to be revealed. I mean, you thought it was totally something. Someone said nose hair. And that's what I love about this portion of scripture. See, Jeremiah 29, 11 is a verse that is used all the time in church. It's probably tattooed on one of your guys' arms right now. I mean, because it's a powerful verse. It's a verse of promise. But in context, it might not make sense when you think about it all together. Here's what I mean. Let's jump to Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 1. It says this, Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This was after King Jehoiachin, the queen mother, the court officials, the other officials of Judah, 
And all the craftsmen and artisans had been deported from Jerusalem. He then sent a letter to Elisah, son of Shapham, and Jemariah, son of Hilakai. And when they went to Babylon as King Zedekiah, ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar, I just need to let you know right now, it took me about 10 to 15 minutes to, under, like, to find out how to pronounce all those names I just said. I have a cheat sheet in my notes. I just, anyways, but this is what Jeremiah's letter said. This is what the Lord of the heaven's army, the God of Israel says to all the captives that have been exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away and work for peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of the heavens armies, the God of Israel says, do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they're telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says, you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised and I will bring you home again. So all those verses come right before Jeremiah 29, 11. Like, so just to sum it up, the people of Israel, they're exiled out of Israel because of their idol worship and their social injustice, along with living dual lives, meaning they would live one way in the church and a different way outside the church. And idol worship means they'd worship other gods unlike the, the, the true God. And they were, more, they were like warned multiple, multiple times. But all of a sudden, God had to look at him and say, all right, go and get. Get out of here. You need to go. Because I've warned you so many times, but you're not listening. And then Jeremiah tells the people to get comfortable where they're living because they're going to be there for 70 years. So Jeremiah 29, 11, in context to the first 10 verses, seems hard to grasp. Because how can God have a plan for us when we're in exile with no chance of getting out anytime soon? And I wonder if that's how we navigate going into a new year. That we say, I, I know it's gonna be a new year if everything goes the way it should. Like, it's, it's, it better be great. And if it doesn't work out in the first five days, then it's all squashed. But this is what I love about Jeremiah 29, 11. It shows us that God has a plan for us even if things don't go the way we like. That God's plan for our life is kind of like the flex tape commercials. You guys remember the flex tape thing? Oh, did I lose the screens? Oh, I only have one more picture, but you guys remember the flex tape commercial, right? Where it's like flex seal goes on. I mean, they, they, they chop a, a, a boat in half and then they seal it. I mean, it's crazy. But what I loved is in the commercial, they would show, they would slap the tape and like cover the water. And that's what God's plan wants to do for your life. It wants to be the flex seal over the even ifs. Because we're going to have a lot of even ifs. But God's plan is saying, no, I want to cover your even ifs, even if things don't go the way you'd like them to. So if you are continuing to take notes, there are three even ifs that are covered in God's plan. Three even ifs that we see in the scripture that when you look at Jeremiah 29, 11, it doesn't make sense, but it, it does when you look at it in this context. And here it is. Number one, even if you don't deserve it, God has a plan for you. 
See, the people of Israel, they broke God's covenant laws, which led to exile, but it didn't lead them away from God. Because we see in Jeremiah 29, or actually after Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So their actions may have exiled them from the land, but it did not exile them from his presence. And the reality is our choices will have consequences. But consequences doesn't mean condemnation. We see it in Romans 8.1. So now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sin and our guilt, it shouldn't make us go away from God, but it make us, should make us run to him. That when the enemy tries to tell you, nope, I mean, how many times is God going to forgive you for that? I mean, how many times are you going to act like that? Yeah, you deserve those consequences. And the reality is, yes, we, we, we will. But that shouldn't lead us away from what God wants to do in our life. I mean, think about it. Even if I do something, I am going to walk into consequences. You touch a hot stove, what happens? Burn your hand. That's just the consequences of it. You don't turn in your homework, what happens? You get a zero. You call in sick too many times at work, what happens? You get let go. You break a law, you get arrested. And even if you've done some of these things, all of these things, or all of these things and more, God still has a plan for your life. Your consequences did not remove the plan. And I know some of us, we like to tell ourselves, well, that's, be, that's why I don't have a plan anymore because I've done so many wrong things. The people were exiled from the land. And God says, I still have a plan though. I have a plan for your life. I have a plan for you. And it's a good plan. It's a great plan. Even though I deserve it, even though I may have made mistakes, God has a plan for our lives. Here's number two. Even if you're in the wrong environment, God has a plan for you. See, the people of Israel, they were removed from their ideal environment and placed in a new environment and were told by God through the prophet Jeremiah, hey, get comfortable. I mean, he says it in the scripture, build homes, plant and eat the food, get married, have kids, find spouses for those kids, work for the prosperity of the city and pray for its well-being. It even says, if the city doesn't go well, you're not gonna do well. And like the Israelites, you may not like the ideal environment you're in. You may say, I don't know if I like where God has placed me, but maybe that's exactly where God wants you to be. And it wasn't perfect. I mean, it even says in the scripture, God says, don't let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they're, not, they're telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them. So God sent them to a culture into a place where their cultures and practices went against God, but God still had a plan for them. And I've heard it. People go, you know, God must be really angry at America because of all the things that are happening. You think God is not used to people going against him? You don't think that God's like, like he, this is a shock to him? Like, man, what's happened in America is really blowing my mind right out. No, this has happened over and over again. But in that, he says, I have a plan for your life. I have, I have, and so he's saying, I don't want you to be complainers and whiners. I want you to be the salt and the light of the world. I want you to be an influence. I want you to make an impact. I want you to show them who I am and what I'm doing in your life. 
Thomas A. Kempis said, you are called to endure hardships and work, not to live a life of ease and idle talk. This is where people are tested like gold in the furnace. No one can stand unless they humbly submit to God with all their heart. So God's saying endure, to push through, even if you don't like it. Now I need to stop because before I go any further, I need to address something because I don't want you to think that some of your current situation is what God's asking you to endure. If you are living in an environment of fear and you're living in constantly afraid of your life and your kid's life, God is not asking you to live in that environment. And how do I know that? Because the word says that. Second Timothy 1.7, for I have not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. So that means he's not asking us to live in an environment of fear and timidity. So if you are in an environment that is bringing fear and you're afraid and you don't know what's gonna happen, you need to get out of that. And here's what I love about our city is there's opportunities for you to get to a safe place. Don't let what's going on in your life the abuse and the, and the hurt and the pain be something you feel like God made you do. No, he did not ask you to do that. But for everyone else who is not going through that, God has a plan for you to endure. He has a plan for you to endure in the environment you're in, meaning he wants you to break that generational curse and change the lineage of your family. He's saying, I know that I put you in this family, but I don't want you to be like this family. In fact, I want you to rise above this family and change the direction of this family. God wants you to make a commitment that you're no longer gonna get drunk even though you're in a drunk city. But yeah, I know I'm in a drunk city. I know what my environment's like. I know what may happen on New Year's Eve. I know I just was a total buzzkill right now to a bunch of you guys. Seriously, you told me not to get drunk tonight? Yes, because God's called us to rise above it. He says it, don't, don't be tricked, don't be fooled. Yes, you're gonna be in that environment, but I don't ask you to be of the environment. I want you to rise above that. God's asking you to be an influence in your workplace, not to be influenced. You know, there's been a couple times I've prayed for people in the back. I have a couple people have come to me and they've talked about how they just don't like their work environment. I said, it's tough. You know, I don't like it. Can you just pray that God gives me a new job? And, and I was, I was gonna just pray, God, I pray you find a new environment. But like God through the Holy Spirit told me, nope, don't pray that. I want you to pray that they'll endure. I want you to pray that they'll be the influence, that they'll be the change, that they'll be the avenue, that they'll be the hope that some of these people need. The reason they make these jokes and the reason they are being toxic is they know nothing different. But if we can bring them salt and light of the world, something that's flavorful and something that'll give them direction, imagine what we could do for their lives. So God is saying, don't leave the environment, rise above the environment and show them how real and how powerful God is. And so even though you may not be in the right environment, God has a plan for your life and it's a plan for good and it's not for disaster. Here's number three. Even if you have to wait, God has a plan for you. I believe, and it's actually scholars believe this too, that the reason that Jeremiah told them that they're gonna have to wait 70 years is because some of them thought it was only gonna be a couple years. Like, I wonder if some were like, don't worry, stay packed. Okay, we're only gonna be here for a little bit. I know God's mad at us right now, but we're, we're gonna get, we just gotta pray. But Jeremiah comes back and says, nope, it's gonna be 70 years. 
get comfortable. And the reality is we could try and put a timetable on God, but God doesn't do time like we do. God does time different. How do I know that? Because the Bible shows us. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is, the one who was, and the one that is still to come, the almighty one. So he's shown there, I don't do time like this. I do time like this. The beginning and the end, they're, they're, they're right next to each other. I am the past, the present, and the future all at once. So the way you do time and the way I do time is just different. We see it also in 2 Peter. It says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years, the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. He just does time different. So we need to stop convincing God of our time and start surrendering to his time. And can we be real? Can I just be real with you real quick? I already said the drunk thing. You're already mad at me. It's all right. The reality is, can we just be honest that some of our timetables that we're asking God to do is just because we want to keep up with the Joneses? But like God says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. And that the plan I have for your life is going to be different for the plan I have for their life. And so I know you're in your mid-20s and you're having a nervous breakdown, but I have a plan for your life, says the Lord. I know you haven't found that man yet, but God has a plan for you. I know that your classmates already found their dream job. I know that people are buying houses already. I know this is happening, but God says, I still have a plan for you. It's just different from their plan. So surrender to God's plan because there are gonna be things that you wanted done on your time that you're gonna look back and go, man, I'm glad. I'm glad I listened to your time. There's gonna, there, God has helped you out of some relationships. You thought they were the one. I'm just saying. You're like, God, thank you for that. Some of y'all were gonna buy a house in 2008 and you're like, oh, thank you for that. God, it's time's different. And we may think, nope, okay, God's not listening to me anymore. God doesn't love me anymore because it's 2024. I saw a video of a woman. She said uh, dreams for 2023 and it just said husband and she's crying because she's uh, typing, she's deleting 2023 and add 2024. It's here's the thing, don't stop dreaming, but just believe, okay, if it wasn't this year, then maybe next year. If it's not this time, maybe it's next time. But God, what are you going to do in the in-between? That's what I'm excited about. That's what I'm looking forward to. I know it doesn't make sense now, and I don't understand it, but God, I'm going to trust you. Because your time is, actually, it's not even different. It's greater than my time. The beginning and the end. Everything together. So even if you have to wait, remember that God has a plan for your life to give you a hope and a future. Here's what I want to close with. I want to close with maybe a question that some of you might be asking. I know if I was sitting where you were, I'd probably lean over to my wife, Shelby, and go, why hasn't he brought this up yet? The question is, what does all of this have to do with your title, 2024 foretold? Because some of you were like, hey, I thought you were really going to bring up 2024. Like, I thought you were going to show us what the Bible says. Like, I was ready to, like, invest and who should I vote for and what should I pick? I mean, I was like excited. What does that have to do with your title? Well, 2024 foretold is to remind us that going into this year, no matter what happens during the year, whether we deserve it or whether we're not in the ideal 
situation or the timing isn't what we want, it doesn't remove or diminish the plan God has for your life. But here's what I love. The scripture shows us that the plan he has for our life goes beyond our life. Here's how I know. Jeremiah 33, same book, same prophet says this. In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line and he will do what is just and right throughout the land. We found out last week that in the book of Matthew that David and Jesus are in the same line. So Jeremiah's telling these people in exile, I'm bringing a king and he's gonna do what you need. And then we see in the prophet uh, Micah, we talked about it a few weeks before that, in Micah chapter five, verse two, it says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrah, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies. So they go, wait, that's us. We're the people that God says, go on, get. Until the woman gives labor, oh, woman in labor gives birth. We know that of Mary. Then at the last, his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their land. This is why the wise men came. This is why they followed the star. This is why they're excited and they worship because this is a promise. This is the plan that God has fulfilled and he fulfilled it in the life of Jesus. But here's the great thing. Not only was that fulfilled in their lives, it's fulfilled in our lives. That no matter what happens in us, we have Jesus. We have God's plan right now. So whether it's 2024, 2025, 2035, God has a plan for our life. And we can walk in these reasons and excuses and these things that keep us from really pursuing him and endure. I'm telling you, this has gotta be the year that you worship like never before, that you go into his word like never before, where you get more committed to the church like never before because God wants and has a plan for your life. And you need to be surrounded by people who will say, I told you so. You need to be surrounded by people who will lift you up when you want to give up and turn your back on God. You need to be surrounded by people when you don't feel like worshiping will be like Abraham, like, no, like Moses, like Aaron and her, and they lift your hands up and they say, get those hands up. I know that it doesn't make sense now, but God is still real and he's still alive and he's still available for your life. So that's why this has got to be a year that we go after him like never before, because he has a plan for your life. It's a plan for good. It's not for disaster. It's to give you a future and a hope. Can I pray with you? Oh man. I love that every week we do this, that we remind people that God's plan, the ultimate plan was to bridge the gap between us and him, that we serve a holy God and sin separated us from him. But he gave us Jesus, who lived a sinless, perfect life, and, and he, he died so that we could be set free, and that's what salvation is. Salvation is realizing that, you know, I have sinned. It could be a small sin, it could be a little thing, it could be a, a white lie, or it could be something as big as committing and breaking a law. But all have sinned and fallen short, but Jesus is that fulfillment. And he grants us eternal life and it's a gift. We don't earn it, we just accept it and we say thank you. So with everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, why? Because I want you to have one-on-one -on -one moment with God. I want you to be real and honest, say, God, have I let you in my life? 
Have I made you my Lord and Savior? Lord, meaning have I given you control? Have I finally said, God, not my ways, but your ways? And Savior, meaning I'm not gonna allow guilt or shame or my past or, or my addictions or my shortcomings to keep me from walking in the fullness that he has for me. We're gonna do one of two things. And mom, I'm just gonna have you raise your hand and look at me. And then as a church together, we're just gonna say a simple prayer, a prayer asking Jesus to come into our lives and to be that Lord and Savior I've talked about. So if that's you and you're saying, no, I've never done that. Yes, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but the scripture says that even the demons believe in God and they tremble in fear. I know I want a relationship with God. I want him to make him my Lord and Savior. If that's you, can I just have you lift your hands and look at me real quick? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, 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 thank you. You can put those hands down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love it. Anyone else? I want to start my year off right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you over there. Thank you, thank you, sir. Church, can we say this prayer together? All of us say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life, change me, make me new. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can I pray with you one more time before we end our service today? And maybe you're saying you're here, and I'm a Jesus person, but man, I need to stop convincing God of my plans and start surrendering to his. I need to stop telling God all the reasons why I can't worship him, I, I, can't, I can't serve him, I can't tithe him. I need to stop convincing and I need to start surrendering. If that's you and you're saying, I'm gonna start this year off giving God everything, not all, but all. And not, not, not some, but all. Can you raise your hand real quick? Come on, keep those hands up. Lord, with our hands raised, in the posture of surrender. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would have everything in our lives. Everything is yours. Lord, starting now, Lord, our past is gone. Our, our shortcomings are gone. Our addictions are gone because we are now new in you. So Lord, we surrender our plans. We surrender our circumstances. We surrender our shortcomings. We surrender our timetable. And we say, God, you take it all. And you ask me to do whatever I need to do because I'd rather be doing your will than walking in mine. So Lord, I pray that this would be a year, Lord, that we begin to see the promises and the plans because we surrendered our way and submitted to your ways. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us this week. Follow our other podcasts so you can be updated when new episodes are released. We have a wide variety of podcasts to choose from. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.